This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, July 15th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jonah is coming to us from Wyoming, where his wife is from. Uh, love it, man. Sometimes I see you out, you know, in your Scottsdale home with the pool and everything. Now you're in Wyoming getting ready to do some... <laughs> What you, tell the tell the good people what you're going to Before we get to we're going to have a lot of predictions on today's show for Ohio State's 2022 season. We're going to have some fun on today's show. Jay Book and I are going to make some predictions. Before we get to that, tell the good people what you're going to be doing in Wyoming. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun in Wyoming for a couple of weeks here. Actually going to go check out an official rodeo today. So uh, watch a couple guys ride some bulls, do some roping. So uh, very curious to see what that's about. You know, it's a arenas type stadium. So get a little cowboy living up here in uh wild in uh Sheridan, Wyoming. So excited to to be up here out of that Arizona heat for a couple weeks. Yeah, now's a good time to get out of Arizona. Usually I'm like jealous of you guys, like when it's like you know, six months out of the year when it's cold here. But yeah, I know it's brutal in the summer there. I've never been to your neck of the woods unless it's like for the fiesta bowl. I'm always there. I'm always there end of December, early January, and it's perfect. Um, all right, let's get into it. Um the first one, we're going to have 11 total predictions on today's show about Ohio State's 2022 season and college football season in general, mostly about Ohio State, of course. Number one, Jay Book, what will be Ohio State's regular season record? The over-under in Vegas is 10.5 wins. It's a little misleading. you got to put a lot more money on Ohio State. If you take um, the over, it's like you know minus 300, and then if you take the under, it's like plus 150. So it's a little misleading. Um what are you going with? What do you think the regular season record is going to be for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes? I have them going 12 and 0. Uh, I, but even with the 10 and a half, I can still see them hitting that uh, with one slip up. But I don't see where they're going to slip up this year. I think this team is going to be on a mission. They understand the assignment, which is go through the regular season, beat Michigan, win the Big Ten championship, and go play for a national championship. And I just think that with the talent that they have coming back, the quarterback position, the skill position players, a revamp defense, I look at this team as well as the schedule that sets up favorable for them with eight home games. I have a Hall State going 12 and 0. I thought long and hard about this. I almost went 11 and 1 because I could see them, I don't know who it would be, but I could see them slipping up one time this year, but still be all right. It'll be Big Ten champs, win the Big Ten title. 12 and 1 Ohio State would go to the playoff. But I'm going to amend that because I go through it and I'm like, I know I'm going to pick them to win every game individually. <laughs> so yeah. like, I still think they could slip up and still finish 11 and 1 and still be okay. But I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. I thought about this. I'm going to go 12 and 0 as well. Um, Homer alert on today's show. But seriously, I mean, 
this is as good of an Ohio State roster as I've seen. It reminds me a lot right. of 2019 and a lot like 2019. I think they got the coaching staff in place. You know, we had Jeff Halfley running the defense in 2019. Now with Jim Knowles, give me the Buckeyes going 12 and 0. All right, now if they did slip up, if there's going to be a close game, second prediction: What's going to be the Buckeyes' toughest regular season game in your opinion? I mean, I, I always said that the Notre Dame game out the gates is going to be a very challenging game. I mean, if you're to believe Callen, uh, Calher and Joe Clatt, who said this week that this is the best Notre Dame team in 25 years, I don't know if that's over-the-top hyperbole, but it, they're talking about this is going to be one of the best offensive line in all of college football. The quarterback position for Notre Dame is going to be a question mark. But one of the reasons why I say this is going to be a challenging game is for the simple fact that you're breaking into brand new uh, defense here. We don't we all think that it's going to be better, but we don't know how well that defense will actually mesh right out the gates playing such a challenging opponent. Usually you'll have a FAU or Akron or Miami, Ohio that first week to break them in. And then you'll have your marquee game that second week and you kind of get a feel for what you're actually doing once the bullets are live. But because this is going to be a very competitive Notre Dame game, who's not going to back down, Marcus Freeman will have those guys ready to play. But because it's the first game, I think the Notre Dame game will be the most challenging one. I do believe the rest of the schedule is going to set up nicely. Um, you, you got your blackout against Wisconsin, which is going to be your marquee game. So Ohio State will not be oversleeping that game. You have Iowa, which is going to have the scarlet out. So Ohio State, they have some payback from Iowa from several years ago. We haven't played them in very long. But because the atmosphere is going to be electric, they're not going to oversleep that game. Penn State game, that's a day game. You're avoiding the whiteout trap. So now you look at, you know, where could they potentially slip up? Yeah, you may have some uh, a couple landmines here and there. There's always a team that plays Ohio State like it's their Super Bowl. You know, your Purdue's or your your, your Iowa's who are down and out. Uh, and then you have Michigan at home. Ohio State will have their full attention. Uh, they're going to try to right their wrongs with them. So when I look at the schedule, the way things shape out, I say the Notre Dame game week one will be probably their toughest test. Yeah, it's the toughest schedule that I can remember for Ohio State, um, you know, ever. Um, and yeah. it's fun. It's fun. And I, I, Ohio State, even though it's their toughest schedule, because Ohio State's roster is so stacked, they're going to be the favorite in every game. So I kicked around three strong possibilities here. Um, Notre Dame, at Penn State, and Michigan. I think those are going to be the three toughest games in whatever order. I'll go at Penn State as the trickiest, not because I think, I think Notre Dame and Michigan are better teams, but Ohio State gets both of them. Uh, at the horseshoe, and you're right, it would be an easy decision for me if it was a whiteout game because it doesn't even matter how mediocre Penn State is. Like, when it's a whiteout, they get after it, and it's always a tough game. Um, I'm going to go Penn State, even though they're not – I don't think they're going to be the toughest team, and it's not a whiteout. It'll still, yeah. be a tough, it'll still be a tough environment. So I'll go Penn State, give them a little bit of an edge over Michigan and Notre Dame, but I think you could pick any of those three games. Yeah, in the Penn State game, Dave, you know – Ohio State has done really well playing in the actual whiteout. It's be, it's almost like a sense of, okay, you're going into a hostile environment. You need to be dialed in because if you're not dialed in, then you can go up there and actually lose. So Ohio State usually goes into that whiteout game laser focused, knowing that it's going to be a primetime game. Everyone's going to be watching. And they usually play extremely well up there at night with the with the whiteout. So this is going to be the first time, and I don't know how long, 
that Ohio State has went up there for a, a regular day game to Penn State. I can't remember. I mean, it, it's probably been since, what, the 2000s maybe? Yeah, that sounds about right. Definitely it was uh, Trestle versus Paterno would be the last one that I can remember. Yeah, and he, I mean – 2012, they went over there. It was a wideout. That was Urban's first year. They took it to him. Um, yeah. Bill O'Brien was the coach that year at Penn State, was the Big Ten coach of the year, um, even though Urban went undefeated with the team that went 6-6 six and six the previous year, but whatever. 6-7, and seven actually, the previous year. Um, then in 2014, man, that, that Penn State team wasn't even good, and they took him to overtime. It took the Joey Bosa, like, throwing the running back back into the quarterback, the sack off yeah. in overtime to win that game. 2016, the fluke. Uh, what I think thought was a fluke, um, Penn State win over there. And then 2018, another wideout, went down to the wire, the huge comeback by yeah. great Dwayne Haskins, Ben Victor, K.J. Hill high-stepping it into the end zone. Man, it's always tough sledding over there. All right, but you're right. At least it's not a night game. Um, all right. I mean, we don't have to take too long on this one. It doesn't really matter, right? I threw it in there, though. Number three, who will win the Big Ten West Championship, Jay Book? I'm going with the sleeper, Nebraska. Scott Frost. <laughs> Scott Frost writes his wrongs, and uh, his back is against the wall. He's a he's a coach. I think he's in a similar situation to what Jim Harbaugh was in last year at Michigan, to where uh, it's one of those, hey, you're going to take a pay cut, and the next step is potentially uh, losing your job. Scott Frost has been in a lot of battles, a lot of one score losses that they weren't able to finish, and I think this year with the transfer from uh, Texas coming over there, quarterback with uh, the Pitt offensive coordinator coming over there, who's going to pretty much modernize their offense and their passing attack. I think Nebraska is going to be one of those sleeper teams that pulls it out on the West. I like that pick. They, they did. They cleaned up with the transfers. It reminds me kind of what Michigan state did last year. Exactly. Um, so I like that pick. I'll stick with what I was going to say, even though they have to come to Columbus, that's probably an L. I'll go with Wisconsin. I think they're the best team in the West, but I like your pick with Nebraska. Um, I'll go with Wisconsin. I don't have a real strong feeling about it. It should be a good uh, race there in the West. All right, here we go. Brass tacks, baby. I buried the lead. Number four, who will win the national championship in college football this season? Championship or bust, baby. Let's go, Buckeyes. <laughs> hey, we're, we're, hey, this is our year, Dave. I'm calling it right now. Jim got the defense uh, locked in. Like we talked about all see all offseason, we don't need a top five defense. Just give us a top 20 defense. That's going to allow CJ Stroud and their offense to have at least three to four extra possessions. And I think Ryan Day, he gets back to showing what this Ohio State program is all about, which is being physical up front, being nasty, asserting your will. And they're going to be able to out-athlete a lot of the teams in the Big Ten. And once we get into these playoffs here, I just think that Ohio State – this is the year for them to make the run. All the, Everything is falling into place with them. I just have that gut feeling that this will be Ohio State year to hold up that trophy. Yeah, I have been kicking around either Ohio State or Alabama. I think there are two teams clearly above the rest this year. And you hear Alabama, you're thinking, uh-oh, like kind of lean that way, right? No, it's a homer edition of the show. But again, it's not just being a homer. I love this Ohio State roster. I can't stress it enough. They're deep in certain spots. Yeah, they've, they've got certain spots where they're maybe not as deep as we want. Offensive line, of course. There's a few others. But um, I'm going to go with Ohio State over Alabama to win the national championship. He's so sweet to see it. You know, you got the 2002 – all the national championships. But the ones that we've witnessed, uh, you and I, 2002 up there, 2014. Now let's add 2022 up there. 
but I don't want to wait another 14 years. Although 14 years wasn't as bad as waiting 34 years as we had to wait between the 68 and 2002 titles, but there we go. All right, here we go. It's going to have some player predictions here. All right, over under 5,000 passing yards for C.J. Stroud this season. That includes bowl games, playoffs, Big Ten championship game, whatever, because last year, for some perspective here, he had 44 135 yards passing in just 12 games, though. And the one regular season game he missed was against their worst regular season opponent. He would, would, would have been close to 5,000 last year if he would have played in that game. All right, over under 5,000 for Mr. Stroud, Jay Book. I'm going over 5,000, Dave. And I think that he's going to have an extra game because he's going to have that Big Ten championship game uh, on his resume this year. Obviously, the bowl game, if if my prediction is right, that means he'll get a sem- semifinal game as well as a national championship game. So he's going to have more opportunities uh, to break that 5,000 mark. But I just think that he's poised for a monster year. Ohio State and Ryan Day know what they have, which is arguably the number one pick in the NFL draft coming up next year. It's probably going to be between him and Bryce Young or Will Anderson one of those three guys will be the number one pick, depending on how the dominoes fall in the NFL. So, hey, put the football in the hand of your potential top five lottery pick here, and let's go. And I think that the wide receiver corridor ready to rock and roll uh, in this, and I think you're going to start seeing a situation to where the running backs are going to be more involved in the passing game now that you bring Evan Pryor into the fold with his ability to get those swing passes and balls out of the backfield. So I'm going for 5,000 yards uh, because I think CJ is going to have more opportunities this year. The schedule sets up to where, yeah, some of these some of these games may be blowouts. He, he may get yanked from them, but we've seen that Ryan Day can have him going, what, 20, 24 for 27 for 375 before he's actually pulled out of the ball game. So I think you can see similar situation against teams like uh, Maryland on your Rutgers to where he'll get those stats and they may pull him in the fourth quarter. But by the time he pulled, he's pulled in the fourth quarter, he's already knocking on the door for a 400-yard game. By the way, did you see that ridiculous uh, uh, tweet, that logo from Pro Football Focus that went uh... – <laughs> Viral for all the wrong reasons. It got ratioed like crazy. They <laughs> ranked C.J. Stroud as, what, the fifth best quarterback in the country? That's Spencer Rattler ahead of him? Yeah. yeah. Listen, if you're going to make a quarterback list, it's Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in whatever order. I'd go Stroud, Young, and then then we can talk about three, four, five. To have C.J. Stroud fifth on that list, and by the way, pro football focus was getting killed by everybody after they posted that. Yeah, they're they're trolling there. I mean, they are obsessed with Spencer Rattler, a guy who lost his position at Oklahoma, has to go to South Carolina to to try to start. He's probably going to just be average at best at South Carolina. Uh, It's going to be a major drop off from the talent that was surrounding him at Oklahoma with the guys that he had. But yeah, that that was a that was a major troll troll job by Pro Football Focus. Like, there's no logical reason that you can sit there and say. C.J. Stroud, a guy that completed 70% of his passes, thrown for almost 5,000 yards, had a, a three-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, who's going to be, what, the fourth or fifth best quarterback in college football. Makes zero sense. Yeah, to answer the fifth uh, prediction here, I, I agree with Jay Book. I'm going over 5,000, um, and that's that seems like a ton. But again, he had 4,435 last year in 12 games. He missed the Akron game where they won 59 to seven. So he would have put up, got to think 300 yards in that game. That would have got him to 
47 and change last year in just 13 games if he would have played every game last year. And if Jay Book and I are right and they're going to play 15 games this year, C.J. Stroud's going over 5,000 yards. Now it's going to take him, you know, being healthy and then playing that many games. I mean, he could do it in 14 games as well. But um, I'm going to go over 5,000. All right, next one. Number six, over under 1,700 receiving yards for Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Again, seems like an astronomical amount. Until you look at the fact that last year in 13 games, Jay Book, he had 1,606 yards. So maybe yeah. I didn't put the over under high enough. Over under 1,700 for JSN. I'm going to take the under uh, on that one. I just think that, yes, CJ is going to throw for uh, 5,000 yards, but JSN also had the benefit of having a lot of defenses focusing on Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So with that third guy, he was matched up typically against someone who was a total mismatch for him. A lot of teams weren't traveling their, their first corner to go and try to lock him up. Now he's going to be the sole attention of the defense. If you're a defensive coordinator, you're going to play Ohio State and say, make those other guys in Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka show that they can play at a high level and make those guys show that they can actually beat you. They We know what JSN could do, so he's going to command a lot of um, defensive coordinators focusing on him. And because of that, I think he'll go under. But I, I expect with that being said, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka numbers – to have a meteoric type of rise. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to go just under. I think he's going to have similar to what he did last year. I'll go under 1,700 yards because of everything you just outlined. I mean, they're still going to spread the wealth around. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to have a big year, relatively speaking. Emeka Buka is going to have a big year, relatively speaking. Uh, and they're also going to run the ball. And they're going to have, you know, a lot of blowouts. So, um, I, I, obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba just – I mean, he had – the best bowl performance in the history of college football by a wide receiver. It's just crazy to think about yeah. that. All the bowl games have been played. I think he just scored another touchdown. He had over 300 yards <laughs> receiving in that game against Utah. Um, and but I think he's going to be just under 1,700. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Dave. Yeah. If he does eclipse 1,700, is he in New York? I mean, you put that season that he had last year with 1,600, and he goes off, and he was one of the – top leading uh, pass catchers in college football last year. So if he goes for 1,600 last year, breaks that 1,700 this year, will that get him an invite to New York? You would think so because, now if they play 15 games, so he will have only played 13 when they give the Heisman out, which I think they should wait till after. I know I'm not the first person to ever say this or the last. Right. They should wait till the end of the season to give out the Heisman. This is not 1950. How about we wait till the most important games are played before we give out the most prestigious trophy in college football, but I digress. So, yeah, so let's say he ends up finishing with over 1,700 yards. That would in, entail, you know, the college football playoff semifinal and then the national championship game. You got to think he's sitting there at like 1,400 at least going into the Heisman ceremonies. I'll say, yeah, if he's sitting there at 1,400 or 1,500 yards with good amount of TDs, he'll be there. But the thing is, um, they're going to have to spread around the wealth a lot. And let's get into the next one. Travion Henderson, number seven here on the list, over under – 1,500 rushing yards for Travion Henderson. He had 1,248 last year, was a little banged up. Uh, true freshman last year, so maybe I'm putting that a little high, but over under 1,500 rushing yards for uh, for Travion. I'll take the over on this one, and I'll give you two points on why I think he will go over. One is the most important. I think the offensive line when it comes to the run game is going to be significantly better this year. He went for you know 1,200 yards, and we all 
you know, moan about the offensive line woes last year with the four tackles and how those guys really struggle uh, getting a push in the run game. So now that you have your true guards in there, uh, I do believe that the offensive line will be a lot better under Justin Fry. I think the offensive line will be much more physical, and I think that is going to give him the opportunity to really eclipse that mark. And two, he's stronger in the weight room, Dave. He's, uh, you know, a lot of people look at Henderson. He's a kid that missed his senior year because of COVID. So he came in as fresh legs, as a true freshman deer in the headlights. And that 1250, you know, 1248 was basically a lot of God-given natural instincts. There were a lot of times where he missed his holes, where he was running up the back of his offense alignment. So just being able to get in the film room, like Tony Offer said, he has put in a lot of work this offseason, is just learning the ins and outs how to be patient, how to set up your blocks. So his knowledge of the game is going to be significantly better, which is going to allow him to be able to get those hitting yards instead of going down with, uh, you know, a one-yard game. Now he can fall forward for a four-yard game instead of trying to take that home run and 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 go for, you know, 10 yards. Let's get it for 14 yards, move the chains. And I just think that his knowledge of the game as well as the offensive line will be better and as you mentioned there were so many times to where he came off the field i'm a i'm a sports better i have so many prop bets on henderson <laughs> is he going to eclipse you know 80 yards or 90 yards a game and i would be sitting there like oh man he just broke off he needs 10 more yards and he hasn't been in for two or three series what's going on and I come to find out you know he would be nicked up or dinged up or uh, uh injury a nagging injury there and he'll come back in and you know, break his his over total. So I was able to cash a lot of tickets on him. But I just think that his durability will also be much better this season as well. Yeah, if they just play 13 games again, they better not play 13 games this year. We, we need uh, at least 14, hopefully 15. Um, I might go under, um, but we're predicting them to play 15 games this year. That's 100 rushing yeah. yards per game. I'm going over. I don't think it's going to be a lot over because they have to share the wealth in the passing game. Also, he might have the best backup running back in the country behind him in Mayan Williams and perhaps the best third string running back in the country in Evan Pryor. They got to get those guys, especially Mayan, in my opinion, involved. So it's not going to be a lot over and they're going to, yeah. Henderson's going to be involved in the passing game too. He's so dangerous there. Um, but I do think 15 games, give me the over on Travion Henderson, not by a lot, but if they play 15 games, give me the over there. All right, here we go. Let's get to the defense over under five sacks for Zach Harrison. I believe he only had, Two sacks each of the last two seasons. Obviously, 2020 was a condensed season, but only two sacks last year for Zach Harrison. Can he get five or over this year, Jay Book? Man, talk about this kid that gets so much hype. I mean, PFF, once again, referencing those guys, they put him in rare air of Hall State, putting him saying that his grades have been up there with the Bosa brothers and Chase Young. I don't know where they're getting that information from. I mean, you look at some of uh, these publications and stuff and Athlon Sports has Zach Harrison uh, being predicted as a first team, all big 10 uh, defensive end this year over JTT and Jack Sawyer. So I'm looking at it as can Zach even get five sacks? I mean, as you mentioned two the last two, two years, a lot of people think this is going to be his breakout year. I'm in a mode. I want to see it to believe it. And I just think I'm going to go with the under here. I don't think he's going to get that five sacks. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that he's going to be a rotational type of player. I think we're going to see uh, JT and 
Jack Sawyer getting a lot of the lion's share reps there. I just think that that sophomore offense, uh, defensive line, those guys deserve the opportunity to play. You're going to get uh, some of those veterans back that's going to be in a rotation. You get Tyler Friday back. You're going to get Javante Jean Baptiste, who's going to get some run there. So the opportunities for Harrison, he's going to have to make them count. And if he's getting a lot of the reps these last two years and he's only getting two per season, it's going to be hard for him to go over that five mark. I'm going to go over because I don't think he's going to be a star this year. And we'll get to Jack Sawyer and JT in a moment with our next question, I believe. We'll see. Unless you have a dark horse you're going to throw in there. Um, Here's the thing. Jim Knowles is great about getting pressure on quarterbacks, causing sacks, tackles for loss. Now we're talking about sacks here. And I think those top three defensive ends are all going to play a lot. I think Jack Sawyer and JTT are going to have the better years compared to Zach Harrison. But I think he's going to be in there enough. And – with the Noel scheme, I think Zach Harrison, not going to be the stud that everybody wanted him to be coming out of high school, not going to be a double-digit sack guy, but I see him getting six sacks this year. So I'm going to go over five sacks for Zach Harrison. All right. Don't you think Don't you think he needs to, like, really show – I mean, six sacks have to be, you know, the 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 mark for him, right? Yeah, I mean, and really, I, I because, you know, I think he's going to have a solid year. I, I If I had to pick, I think he's going to have, like, seven or eight sacks. So I think he's going to go over it by a, a decent amount. Um, I hope you're right. But let's lead into the next one. Who will lead the team in sacks this year? I will definitely go with Jack Sawyer here. I just think that, uh, as you mentioned, the scheme that he's going to play in under nose is going to allow him to really unleash his pass rushing ability there. I came close, and I was going to say Tyleek Williams because I think I think Tyleek is a sleeper guy. And you look at Tyleek, he was uh, – he was right up there leading the Big Ten in sacks before he kind of fell off that cliff where he wasn't in uh, the shape that they wanted him to be in. But when he was playing early on in the season, he was kind of pushing for the Big Ten sack leader. If he can stay on the field for the duration of the season and he's in the shape that, they all, that they've told us that he's in right now, he has a shot to actually lead the team at uh, sacks from the inside. But for the sake of conversation – if I'm going to go ahead and, and say that with my head, I'm going to go ahead and say Jack Sawyer. I think he's going to be the one who leads the team in sacks. I agree. I have Jack Sawyer jotted down as well. I think uh, JTT is going to have a big year, and um, but I think it's going to be Jack Sawyer. You know, they're going to use him as that Jack, that Leo, uh, that, that kind of that walkout where he's going to be moving around, and uh, you know, they call it Jack of all trades and master of all. <laughs> you can't be Jack of all <laughs> trades and master of none. You got to be Jack of all trades and master of all of them, and he can do it. You know, he's bigger now. He can still run. He's just as fast, he says. Um, And he's a lot bigger now. I mean, he's about 20, 25 pounds heavier than what he was last year, a lot stronger and still just as fast and quick. And with how they're going to use him, mixed with his skill set, yeah, I think Jack Sawyer is going to lead this team in sacks this year. I'll be disappointed if he's not a double-digit sack guy, especially playing in this scheme. All right. Who's going to lead the team in tackles, Jay Book? I'm going to – Ooh, that's that's a tough one there, Dave. But I think it's because this is a safety-driven defense. I like Ronnie Hickman, who's going to lead the, the the team in tackles again. I just think that with the defense being a back-to-front type of driven defense and the way that Jim Noah's going to be able to move those safeties around, I I like Ronnie Hickman being another 100, being a 100-plus tackler this season. I was going to say Josh Proctor, but I just think that Proctor's going to be one of those guys that – Uh, He's going to be your thumper, but I think Ronnie Hickman is going to have the opportunity to fly around all over the field with his versatility. 
Yeah, he led the team in tackles, as you mentioned, by a wide margin last year. I almost went with Ronnie Hickman. Um, but maybe I have recency bias. Not that the Rose Bowl was that recent, but it was their most recent game. I'm going with Tommy Eichenberg. Both popped him up big time in the spring. Yeah. Like, made it really like no doubt. Like they're going to have two starting linebackers, and Tommy's going to be one of them. And probably Steel Chambers is going to be the other. But Knowles talked him up a lot, and something happened. I thought Eichenberg was over his head as an Ohio State starting linebacker for most of last season. And then he was really, really good in the Rose Bowl. He's a big reason the defense played well in the second half. Defensive MVP had 17 tackles in that game. Um, and I think it would be better for Ohio State if a linebacker leads the team in tackles instead of a safety. Yeah. But uh, but you're right, it's a safety-driven defense. I'll go with Tommy leading the team in tackles. All right, the final one here, number 11. Jay Book, you got to like this one as a former college DB yourself. Assuming it's going to be a DB, um, who will lead the team in interceptions this year? Give me Denzel Burke. I'm going. I'm going with the young sophomore corner. I think that he's he's uh, shown that he's a prime time player there. And the thing that you're going to really like about this defense, Dave, is the change in philosophy when it comes to the defensive backs. Instead of not finding the football, this defense is going to allow those defensive backs to be able to get their head around and actually see where the football is at. And so when that happens, it's going to give those guys a more a better opportunity to get their hands on the football. And with that type of technique change under Jim Knowles coming from Kerry Combs, the way he was teaching those defensive backs, I think Denzel Burke had the opportunity to really uh, break on that football as well as get his head around and give him more opportunities to be able to find the ball. Yeah, we're agreeing a lot on this show, but I'm not going to change my answer just because you said Denzel Burke. I also have Denzel Burke jotted down. I think Cam Brown's going to have a big year. Jordan Hancock is a guy that is a dark horse candidate, maybe not even a dark horse candidate. Right. He's just a candidate to lead the team in, in uh, interceptions because I think all three of those top corners are going to play a lot. Jordan Hancock might be technically a backup, but I think he's going to basically play starter snaps. J.K. Johnson, they like him as that number four corner. They only have six scholarship corners on the entire roster, which we've never seen that before. And two of them are true freshmen. At least the two true freshmen rolled early. Jair Brown, I think if they need one of the two freshmen to play this year, it'll be him. But they like Ryan Turner as well, another true freshman. So, um, But, yeah, I think it could be any one of those top three corners. But I will go with Denzel Burke from right there from – where's he from, Jay Book? Oh, Scottsdale, Arizona. You know that place pretty well. Hey, well, yep. great stuff out of Jay Book. Um, you say hi to the rodeo clowns for me later today there in, in uh, Wyoming. Appreciate your insights as always. Thank you to Jay Book. Thank you to all the listeners and viewers out there for tuning in the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend.